0: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at metacom impact.
2: Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you small-town dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com
3: Welcome to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry.
0: And I'm Mary Beth.
3: And each episode, our special guest will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child.
0: This week, our special guest is the queer, non-monogamous writer, <clears throat> excuse me, Cooper S. Beckett. Cooper hosts a couple podcasts, including Reality Is Not What It Used To Be, and recently released Osgood Riddance, the second book in the Spectral Inspector series. Thanks for joining us, Cooper.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I'm happy to be here.
3: So, um so Cooper tell us a little bit about this um your your Osgood series I know you've you just recently in October released the uh, the second book and i'm I'm about like fifty pages into it I haven't been able to read as much nice. as I wanted because things have been super hectic <laughs> but I am reading it and I am really enjoying it
1: well I'm glad uh, the the spectral inspector books are um based on a, a series that I started in college, uh, which started with a caddish male anti-hero lead, um, oh, okay. where he was a ghost hunter and he, you know, I I wanted to do books like um, Gregory McDonald's Fletch, where it's, it's a new story every book. They're short, they're quick, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm and i was heavily influenced by buffy the vampire slayer and and all that milieu around the same time so as as the years went by and i started publishing i really wanted to get back to that type of series but i realized i didn't really care about <laughs> the white male t- uh, you know anti-hero anymore yes <laughs> and so i thought okay well wh- what can i do here that'll make me interested in it again. And I came up with the idea of swapping the genders, but not shaving down the antihero aspect. Okay, yeah. So I I created Prudence Osgood, who is uh, uh, a woman in her very early 40s who deals with chronic pain, who has uh, incredible repressed trauma due to an accident a car accident in her 20s that actually killed her for eight minutes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow! And so she, she has recurring night terrors from that accident where she relives the accident every night. And because of that, she drinks ridiculously heavily because if she blacks out, she doesn't have to relive the accident. And um, she is addicted to a bootleg oxycodone, for her chronic pain from the accident and basically pushes everybody away in her life. That is her, her, uh, her MO <laughs> MO. Yeah. And so the first book is about, uh, she sort of accidentally stumbles into a case involving a bunch of missing teenagers and a band that was really popular decades before that tangentially involves her ex partner, um, who's Audrey, who they were, they were ghost hunters together. They had a ghost hunter TV show, you know, in the boom era of ghost hunting TV shows. Right. And she got convinced by the, uh, by the executives to fake a haunting. Ah. And she faked it without letting her partner in on it. So that blew up their relationship and they hadn't talked, in 15 years when this book starts and so i i wanted to really do a meditation on regret you know what happens when you are the asshole in the relationship (laughs) and how do you (laughs) deal with that when you no longer want to be the asshole but when your personality sort of lends itself to being the asshole? So uh, Osgood is dealing with her emotional scars from her past, her physical scars, her mental health issues, all while trying to figure out this steadily growing um, mystery slash horror investigation that's getting darker and darker with every new lead. And the book two, I, I don't want to talk much about, because it leads directly from the climax of book one, right? Um, but it it introduces monsters and witches to the uh, <laughs> the spectral inspector oh, universe. Hell yes! Yeah, I, I, I went into book two, you know, with an outline that immediately went off course, <laughs> and As they sometimes do. Like literally everything I planned more than a couple chapters ahead were blown out of the water. Like I, I could not get a handle on book two. It wrote itself. It's one of those weird instances where it took me where it wanted to be. It's kinda of cool though. Oh yeah, I I'm thrilled with the result of it. I it just was not what I expected it to be at all. Well, and like
3: like I said, I'm I am about I think I was I think when I when I put it down yesterday, I was about fifty pages into the second book, mm. and I just it really grabbed me immediately with with the immediacy of of, of I, I don't want to spoil anything, but of, of how it <laughs> of how it started, I was immediately grabbed, and uh, I think I think it's it's really good so far.
1: I've had a, I've had a lot of those. people uh, like it. Better than the first one, which surprised me because it is dramatically different mm-hmm. from the first one. You know, the first one is a slow burn mystery that really only turns you know balls out horror in the last several chapters, mm-hmm. and this one starts at that level oh yeah and and never really lets up and i don't there is no downtime in book two, which i I really like it makes me very happy, cool. And I put stuff in that genuinely creeps me out.
0: Ooh, that's even cooler.
1: Yeah, like when I when I came up with the, like I put the things that scare me, the real life things that scare me, and I'm going to throw out two words: cordyceps and teratomas.
0: Oh God! And if you don't know what those things <laughs> oh, no. are,
1: this book involves both of them, and they the, they uh, frighten me more than anything else. I think <laughs> in the world.
3: Play the the uh, the Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. oh
2: yeah
3: yeah and then um i know that you host at at least two podcasts is that
1: <laughs> well i i um so my my podcasting career started with a podcast called life on the swing set yes uh which is a non-monogamy podcast are you still we, doing that one i'm i've taken an extended hiatus from okay it. i will i will get back to it i'm not on it at the moment it is still going but uh, it is my my co-hosts are running with it at the moment. I took the time off so I could write these books and mm-hmm. and focus a little bit more in the horror realm away from the uh, sexuality realm. Ooh, okay.
3: And then uh, your, your new podcast,
2: my um, new podcast. Yeah, I was happy to, <laughs> to guest on twice,
1: <laughs> maybe more well i I definitely want you back if that's what you're asking there um, my My goal for this podcast was like i I would rant endlessly about politics and religion and movies and everything on my sexuality podcast mm-hmm. and as much as I feel it's it's part of a whole you know a holistic approach to sexuality. I recognize that not everybody who listens to a podcast about sexuality wants to be confronted with my opinions about Donald Trump. (laughs) Right. So therefore, I thought, well, why don't I just create a podcast that clearly lists itself as a self-indulgent podcast about these many topics? And that's what reality is not what it used to be is. It's uh, based on, I actually did a radio show in college called reality. And it was a talk show where we'd talk about whatever topics we decided to talk about. And so I really enjoy the idea of this being reality is not what it used to be because I'm a very different person than I was in college. You know, I'm, I'm openly queer and non-monogamous, whereas I was very hetero and, uh, very, very into the idea of monogamy back in, in college so it, it's about the, the fact that you're not always who you think you are, and the value of learning new things and exploring new things is so uh, important. And I think horror films, which are our first two episodes revolve around horror films, I think horror encapsulates uh, emotional growth and change somehow better than any other genre.
0: It definitely does. I would 100% agree with that.
1: <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it, it pushes you. Anything that pushes you out of your comfort zone is going to change you. And, and you know, like your show is about the horror movies that scarred us, which is the horror movies that changed us. Because mm-hmm, it's impossible exactly. to be scarred without, you know, growing that new scar, you know, and changing. Yeah. And I think that's what's so exciting about uh, horror and why I love it as a genre so much is because i i can trace these moments that affected me you know and and even even the littlest of moments like when you first asked me to join you on the show the first thing i came up with is a movie called the boy who could fly i'm not familiar with that one. I'm not familiar it's with that it's either. a melodrama uh it it may have been canadian i don't know it was a little movie <laughs> One one of those things that when you don't have cable and your parents go to the 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 West Coast video, they come back with you know. Right. Yep. <laughs> and there's a, there's a moment in it that's a dream sequence where uh, the lead woman's father is in the hospital and in a coma. And in this dream sequence, he opens his eyes and it's it's a it's a sting moment. And I don't think it's meant to be a jump scare, but it's horrifying.
0: Oh. And
1: it was one of those things that would, would just show up in dreams. and Ooh, that's always wild when those things appear
0: yeah. in your dreams and you least expect it.
1: And I can trace all these things that had significant um, horrific effect on me. Uh, do, do you remember the only two times Tom talked in Tom and Jerry? He talked? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> twice. Too. And both of those times he talked in this horrifically echoey voice saying, don't you believe it? Oh. And it was terrifying. And I don't know why. Like, <laughs> I, I've, I've done these searches, like trying to figure out what the hell this was. Like, why on earth did this happen twice? And was it a reference to something? And nobody knows.
0: Huh. Oh my god, that's so weird.
1: And it's it's really funny revisiting huh. these things as an adult, because, like, I see these tendrils, especially now that I'm writing horror, I see these tendrils of things that affected me when I was much younger, that that just have these long tail effects.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I completely under, uh, agree with that, because I can, like, going back to our first episode, the... Uh, arachnophobia has really changed. Oh, the way I love that, that
1: movie. <laughs>
3: I hate it. <laughs> I have no desire to ever watch it again. I've seen it like three times in my life now. And uh, it, I mean, it completely changed the way I interact with household items. So Sure. And, and I was maybe, gosh, I was probably 10 or so at the time when I saw that. And, it more than any other rated R horror movie that I'd seen that as a kid really, you know, fucked me up. So I, I, I think there definitely is something something to that. Yeah. Um, but and then in horror in general, I think just is a is a great additive to um, to anything. You can add it to comedy, you can add it to drama, you can add it to science fiction or fantasy. And it just I think it adds a different level that other genres don't necessarily get to do.
1: It's the only genre that really can be that. Yes, you know, like any any uh, horror film can have funny things in it, but you can't have a beheading in a comedy <laughs> unless it's a very specific thing. You yeah. know, so it's it's such a unique and flexible genre because of that, and like you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, you, what we do in the shadows. Which is a brilliant vampire mockumentary.
0: God, it is one of my favorite vampire movies of it's, all time. It's just unbelievable. It's so I
1: mean, like, if, if, there's no reason that should be as good as it is, but it is. And it's it's very definitely a horror movie, but it is also incredibly silly, mm-hmm. and and you still get the 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 horror, you know, and that's what's great about it is you can get that little twinge of. Of frightening, because there are moments like that. Yeah. And and at the same time, you know, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. It, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's
2: so what good. A perfect I
1: um, just uh, off the podcast or however you want to do I just shared the four second YouTube clip of Tom talking.
3: Oh, oh. What the hell? I know,
1: right?
0: That's, that's horrifying. That is And not so only horrifying. that, but
1: like seeing this uh, again as an adult, I I remember the first nightmare I ever had and it was it involved a cat with veins in his eyes. you know the cartoon veins mm-hmm. like the uh, um, where someone's really tired and they have veins in their eyes. But clearly seeing seeing this clip of, of Tom, I I realized that that's the cat. That's the the thing from my very very first memorable nightmare.
0: Wow, uh, that's I mean that's intense. That's it great. is. I mean, I feel like a lot of those old kid shows too. Like a lot of the Looney Tunes stuff had such adult things in they them. They did, yeah. And I was I took a class during my masters about um, race in film. Like um, I, mean, I was, it was like representations of African Americans in film, and we talked a lot about how. A lot of early Looney Tunes stuff. And Mickey Mouse was so horribly racist. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, and, like, they use a lot of, like, those racist caricatures to portray fear, especially those... Remember those Betty Boop cartoons with, like, Cab Calloway and the Mm -hmm. rotoscoping? Oh, so
1: wild. It's, It's really unbelievable how different things are. Yeah. You know, and how... You know the the world has not gotten better for African Americans, really. But no,
0: it's like media, less obvious sometimes. In a way. Media is trying very hard, <laughs> yeah. I think,
1: to be better. Yeah, and and it's not. It's obviously not all media, and there are still monstrously racist people in media. But it's. I, I was watching. Oh, uh, watching Killer Clowns. Yesterday. <laughs> uh, the uh the moment uh when they when they go up to Inspiration Point and they're going to go look for the meteor and he does his uh his uh Native American impression. Yep. And I was just yep. thinking, well it's like well that could just be lifted right out. That wouldn't change anything. You could just take that little and then I was thinking, Well would that be beneficial for movies to do that? Or does that just pretend that it wasn't racist at the time, yeah. Like Disney has done, and yeah. and it's it's such a difficult thing to contend with, and it it takes me out of the movie whenever I see stuff like that. Like um, I was listening to the Halloweenies podcast, and they were talking about Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, uh, yep. And there's one moment in Freddy vs. Jason with a bizarrely timed homophobic slur oh yeah and it doesn't make sense and it feels off even from the time it was but it really feels off now yeah that's something yeah,
3: that, that, that like i i when, when it came out i don't i i honestly don't even remember that that line and then i revisited it uh recently when everyone was was doing like they're talking about it and yeah and doing all the like uh, articles and, and podcasts about it and I rewatched it, and I was like that it just it comes out of nowhere <laughs> nowhere yeah <laughs> have you have you seen have you seen it Mary Beth
0: Freddy versus Jason yeah. yeah no I haven't
3: okay ah well the um uh what's her name she was in uh she was with Beyonce in that in in the girls group I can't remember what her name is but
0: oh shit
3: yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: looking <laughs> I know who you're talking about
3: but she calls Freddie a faggot.
1: Yeah.
3: And and it's but like, like you know, what, why what do we have? Of...
0: There's so many other things you could Kelly say. Is her <laughs> right. Kelly
1: yeah. Rowland. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's in this line of is supposed to be funny insults. She says, "What kind of a faggot wears a Christmas sweater? Yeah. In the middle of the summer? It's like clearly they're just... supposed to be funny.
0: Right. I just, but I thought. Not. I, when does that movie come out again? Two
1: thousand it was early um, 2000s. 2003 okay, okay
3: yeah so I was like gonna say that
0: was before i guess we started getting a little bit of a sense about not saying words like that as like yeah. a joke right But good god it's
3: just like it, it just comes out of out of absolutely nowhere and it, yeah. it's it's jarring especially revisiting it
0: uh
3: now that uh your heroes would be saying that kind of thing you know? yeah
1: I- indeed <laughs> i know i took us on a tangent <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's that's kind of how we do here. <laughs> um but uh so so Mary Mary Beth, what have uh, what have you been watching recently?
0: So what have I been watching? Um so besides the films that I've been watching for the podcast, I watched a movie called The Shed that made its oh, had its yeah. world premiere at the Sitges Film Festival on Friday, I believe. And Terry, I know you saw this and we talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but I really liked it um for the most part. The Shed is about um, an orphan kid named Stan, who lives with his awful, abusive grandfather, and he's a bullied teen, and he just kind of has—he's getting it from all angles. This kid, like, he's like, putting me of a character that I just want to give a big hug and tell him it will all be okay. But um, <laughs> eventually, discovers that a vampire has taken up residence in his shed, and it is not like a cool vampire; it is a nasty vampire that kind of looks like. Um, one of the vampires from Salem's Lot. Um, oh, the, I think, the classic
1: Nosferatu-type vampire?
3: Yeah, because,
0: Terry, you, you had a really good comparison in your review. Was it like Nosferatu via Salem's Lot or the yep. other way around? Yeah, it was
3: Nosferatu <laughs> via... Yeah, by, by the way of... Uh, what's his name? Bar, Barlow? Yeah, yeah by I I Barlow. And yeah. that
0: was Barlow. a really good comparison. And I... Unfortunately, the last act kind of feels like an entirely different movie. It feels what I would like to equate to like a Goosebumps novel Mm -hmm. in terms of it being a little bit cheesy.
3: Yeah, it it turns from like this really stark character drama between these two friends who who find this vampire in the shed. And, you know, they're they're abused in both uh, their home life and at school. And there's that kind of like danger of, Mm -hmm. well, we have this vampire in the shed. And then, like like Mary Beth says, it sort of goes off on a tangent in the last act and it becomes about something completely different. Yeah, good and it's certain. like a
0: really interesting thing about being bullied and, be- and like trying to take vengeance and using this vampire as a weapon. And it's really, I thought it was like very emotional and very sad and a good movie. And then the last act kind of gets very hokey, which is really frustrating to me just because yeah. like it is such an important tale of, like tr- again, like, trauma and talking about how you know aspects of toxic masculinity in kids might manifest because of their home life oh sure yeah and it doesn't really go that far into its message but i still really enjoyed it for the like most of it and i also really enjoyed that it's a vampire movie because i am a vampire freak
3: (laughs) yeah and and I'm, i'm glad that i'm hoping that they're gonna make a comeback
0: I so in my review, I I wrote a review for Nightmare on Film Street, and I was like, I hope this is the mark of the beginning of a vampire renaissance because I feel like they've just kind of fallen out. I mean, I know what we did in the shadows made vampires, like, to quote my friend Brianna, made vampires cool again and kind of brought Mm -hmm. them back and they had the TV show. But I'm hoping we get more vampire movies, especially Mm -hmm. vampire movies where the vampires aren't sexy, but just, like, gross. Yeah, absolutely. Because I love gross, nasty vampires. And so I'm really hoping this is a marker for maybe, like, more vampire films because I miss my vampire movies and I want more of them. Please and thank you. (laughs) I I will
1: just be happy if vampires stop being sparkly.
0: You know. Yeah, we haven't seen that in a long time. I'm like hoping that people will realize that like vampires can be gross; like they don't yeah. have to be sexy gothic right. characters. Like they can be nasty. And well, they are, even like, if they are, are sexy
1: and gothic, like uh, my favorite vampire movie is Interview with the Vampire. I think it's a yeah, it's an amazing movie. one. They are still monsters.
0: Yeah, and like it, there was a uh, Coppola's Dracula too, where he's like real sexy. And then he's real ugly, and he's a wolf, and that's a really interesting look at like the dichotomy of vampire and mm-hmm. i want I just want more like that. That's what I like to see, but I hope people have cool I... better unique ideas for the vampire
1: well it's it's not going away as a genre. It's been you know it yeah. just keeps recycling
0: true. Terry, what have you been watching? The shed's all I can think of that's like really made a mark on my brain. Oh, wait, I lied.
3: I was gonna say, are you gonna th- are you gonna say what I think you're gonna say? I don't know. <laughs> what are you gonna say?
0: Oh, well, it's not a new one.
3: Oh, never mind. What do you think <laughs> I was gonna say? I'm gonna cut the Furies.
0: Oh shit! I forgot about the. Oh, <laughs> I'll leave that for you. Okay. I've
1: actually just watched that too.
0: Oh, we can talk about it. That's I was good. gonna say Hounds of Love because oh, I have never yes. seen it. I know it's not new. I think it's 2016 or 2017. Have you either? Have you seen Hounds of Love? Oh not, yes. No. I,
3: I have I have seen it. Oh
0: boy! Um, I,
3: I couldn't quite tell immediately what how you took it based on your tweet, um, but then I saw your letterbox. And you gave it I think four and a half.
0: Yeah, I didn't know what to say on it. Letter- it's like ugh, Twitter. I just never know what to say. I can never like. I'm so incoherent sometimes on Twitter. Um, <laughs> In terms of, like, trying to put together, like, a thoughtful Twitter thread about my reaction to a film. But well, Hounds of it's Love. It's kind of hard in 280
3: cat characters, right? It is so That's
0: hard.
1: That's why my movie stuff is all on Instagram. I, I can't oh. even with, it, with Twitter.
0: But Hounds of Love is an Australian movie. Um, it's about a couple. Who, a real life
3: couple, I think. Or based think on a real life couple.
0: So I, I think it's based, I have to double check, but I think it was, like, loosely based on the Toy Box Killers. Oh, Okay. Right. Um, I think I have to triple check, but it's a couple that kidnap women, and it, this is focused on one of the women they kidnap, teenagers, and that they have them hostage in their house. But it's kind of like the guy wants to do it, and the the girlfriend is kind of just following along because codependency, and it's <laughs> yeah. about like the kind of weird relationship the three of them develop throughout her kidnapping, and how the young girl kind of tries, Vicky tries to manipulate the couple into kind of turning them against each other. It's mostly she tries to kind of show the woman that her boyfriend ain't shit. Hmm. Um, And he really, it's gross. And it's just very, it's slow in a way, but like in a really good way. And it's much more devastating and just harrowing and awful and leaves you feeling so empty at the end. But I like movies like that, which is probably telling about who I am as a person. (laughs) but it was just so good i never want to watch it again i don't think oh yeah i
1: know those kind of movies
0: it's like a movie that i love it's like martyr it's like a movie that i love and that like i will tell people about to watch but i will never watch them again and i really loved it but like the last 20 minutes of that movie like i didn't take a breath like i couldn't breathe it was i was so stressed it's so, a very
3: powerful movie. I mean, it, it definitely has a lot of a lot of triggering content warnings.
0: <laughs> it is. It's very difficult to watch. So, like, if you're not, if you just don't like those kinds of movies that are like are, go very deep into what happens when someone is kidnapped, um, don't watch it. <laughs> but it's on Hulu for Huluween. This is coming out after that, but it'll probably still be on Hulu. Um, and it's yeah, worth a watch. Been on there for a bit. Yeah, it's worth a watch if you can stomach things like that. Um, but I just wanted to. I just don't think a lot of people talk about it. I know it came out a while ago, but I just really enjoyed watching that for all of its awfulness. Yeah. So Terry, what are you? What have you watched? What so, do you want to talk about? <laughs>
3: um, I kind of tipped my hand, but the Furies, <laughs> uh, this new movie that's on on Shutter, Um, also from Australia, um, about this uh, these this group of women who don't know each other. They've all been kidnapped and placed in this outback forest that looks vaguely sinister kind of reminded me of like the forest in witches the comic book mm-hmm. witches with all these like gnarly white trees and then they find out that they're being stalked by um men in these horrific masks and it's sort of I don't want to give away too much but it sort of just goes from there and it is violent as fuck, and it has some yes, amazing practical effects. Oh, my
0: God. Some yeah. of the kills in that movie are absolutely the, gnarly.
1: axe-slash-face effect. Yes. That is immediately well, what I think of, because there's, yeah. there's a scene where they just take this axe,
3: and they're pushing it in this person's face, and it... And they just
1: keep going.
3: Yes. And the whole face just kind of comes yeah. off, and it is... I I... It reminds me how much I love practical effects and how yeah. much when you have a good team doing it, that they can be just absolutely killer. And I mean, they had a really good makeup and effects crew. One person worked on Mad Max, and I think the FX team has worked on, I can't remember what movies they are, but they've done a, a number of really, um, really cool practical effects work movies. And I thought the effects in this were just stunning. What did you guys think of it?
0: So it's another Australian movie. And I think this, I watched... Hounds of Love, and I think The Furies either the same day or like in subsequent days, um, consecutive days rather. And I was like, Australia makes some damn good horror movies. They do, like, and like they've, I mean, like Mongo's also an amazing Australian horror movie. And, oh yeah, Lake Mungo. Um, but anyway, The Furies was like lean, mean, got right into it. And I also ha- I thought it was very interesting how they used um, Kayla. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Kayla's epilepsy as a tool mm-hmm. yes um, I'm always I very, like that I'm always very fascinated with how horror is starting to kind of use disability and especially like invisible disability like epilepsy um, invisible illness rather as like in their films and it was a tool which I think is a fascinating way and I would love to hear like I wonder if anyone with epilepsy has written about this but it was fascinating yeah. how they use something that's considered her weakness into like a powerful thing and turns it into a tool like and I yeah. guess there was, there are parts where she has an episode and she blacks out but she's able to somehow tap into like the the eyes of the killer and kind of see what they're doing yeah. and she's the only one that can do that because of her epileptic episodes so I think that was a really interesting way of using something that can be seen as a bad thing and turning it into power Right.
3: which i like when movies kind of try to play with that. So um the the effects team i just wanted to say they worked on oh, upgrade. Oh sorry. <laughs> no no, i'm no i'm sorry. I don't i don't want to interrupt, but they worked on upgrade that
0: okay. uh Oh, yeah yeah. Um, um
3: they worked on a movie called Cargo. They worked on um, Hacksaw Ridge.
2: Oh. They
3: did the Loved Ones. They did like Mungo.
2: Oh um, my god. So they wow. have
3: like they have a ton of practical effects work. But yeah. uh, and also on the night- Nightingale, the the oh,
1: they did on the yeah. So that's the new uh, film by the
2: the woman
0: Jennifer director Babadook. Adir- yeah, yes.
1: But
3: yes, I'm I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to input that in because it was oh, like yeah, a sort sure. final tangent. But but yes, I loved how how they used the because um, I mean this doesn't really give much away. They they've done something to their eye and all the women's eyes and like it's she can like by with her epileptic fits she can like see. What the killers are doing.
0: Yeah. So it's just like an interesting way of using something that I think is you know sometimes stereotyped as a horrible thing and mm-hmm. thinking it a tool. Like I said before, a, a, something that she can find power in, especially as because she's kind of characterized as a very meek character at the beginning, mm-hmm. and it taps into a power. So I really liked that aspect, um, despite it being like it is. It's like less than ninety minutes. And
1: yeah. It it felt very clean. short to me.
0: It's lean, it's mean, yeah. but it's good. It's like a very—it's surprising. It's one of those Shutter movies that comes out and you get like an email about it, and you're like, "Oh, that'll be <laughs> cool to watch." And then it drops, and everyone's like, "This is fucking amazing!" Like, yeah. what? Where did this movie come from? <laughs> and it's just like, I feel like Shutter is so consistently good at dropping these like amazing international horror, like original horror movies.
3: Mm-hmm. They really are. They've done they've done some amazing work this year with. uh um international overseas type movies that they've just sort of acquired and I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. Um and then the other movie is I I I gotta say I am a Joe Bagos fan now. I
0: Oh did you see VFW? I
3: have seen VFW. Oh really and it's not as good as Bliss, but Bliss is like a four and a half, almost five star, and depending on how many times I watch it it might become a five star movie for me um but it is it's like assault on precinct 13 it's like mad max it's like uh escape from new york like it's all of this like 80s john carpenter-esque type action movies with so much blood so much gore Mm. so many character actors that um are were like big in like the 80s i mean it has like stephen lang in it it has uh Gosh, what are they all there in their names? It just has like this this huge cast. Isn't
1: Bill Sadler's the lead? Yes, Bill
3: yep. Sadler's in it, and he is absolutely fantastic in it. Um, he is hilarious. Um, Martin Cove from uh, Karate Kid <laughs> is in it. Um, you have uh, David Patrick Kelly. Um, oh, yeah, wow. so like all of Fred Williamson. So, like all of these. Uh, now old fogies, right? So they're like, but, and, and they they run this VFW and there's this uh, new drug on the market. That's turning people into basically like crazy bath salt, Florida man type hmm. monsters. And they all end up descending on this VFW because one of uh, this teenager steals all of their big supply of drugs that the, the, the drug leader was going to sell the next day and hides out in the VFW. And so these, these men all band together and do like a last stand type oh, Alamo I, I love fight.
1: those uh, the the base assault movies. Yes, and
3: it's it's so good the 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 things that they do in it, uh, like the the makeshift weapons they have to create, the the way that it basically just stays in the VFW the entire movie. But hmm. it's just it's it's really good.
0: Joe Pagos is killing it this year.
3: He really is. Two movies? I didn't and... realize
0: he had two. Like I guess was Bliss making this festival circuit last year too? I can't remember. I feel I like I just heard about it this year. And then VFW kind of feel like it came out of nowhere a little bit.
3: It really did. I was like, um... Who
0: is this guy? <laughs> just yeah, just like
3: throwing like, out movies
0: left and right
3: right and i i haven't seen i i want to go check out his his first two movies now um almost human and the mind's eye i don't know if
0: i hadn't heard of any of them
3: okay yeah i i remember the uh the mind's eye um because that came out like i want to say 2015 okay and it was kind of like a uh a fire starter um or like a oh. what's the movie with exploding heads was it scanners
0: yeah scanners yeah scanners.
3: So like it's kind of like a, a take on those, and um, he has this team that he just keeps working with Josh Ethier and and all these these this this core team, and I think that they've just probably gotten better with each movie. But, yeah. I'm
0: excited to see it. I didn't get to see Bliss in theaters like I was supposed to because I was uh, ill. I was yeah. too sick. I was like, there's no way I can I can struggle my ass into a movie theater right now. So I'm gonna have to catch it on VOD. But I I need you to see it. I know I know I I I need to see it for my own for my <laughs> I own just bought
1: survival. it. I have not yet watched it.
3: <laughs> I yeah, I, I really want to hear what you guys what you yeah. guys think of it. But um but speaking of of movies, what have what have you seen recently, Cooper?
1: Well, I uh had the the auspicious opportunity to see 3 from Hell this uh this weekend. Oh cool. Okay. And have you seen it either of you? No, I haven't. N- no. Tell me if I go too far with, with, uh, spoilery stuff here. Okay, so yeah, okay. I mean, you tell me, you knock me back. If I was disappointed.
0: Okay, that's what it, it feels. A lot of people.
1: Yeah, it feels like a slightly low rent remake of the Devil's Rejects.
0: Okay. And
1: you know, to to put my cards on the table, I think. Devil's Rejects is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. I love Devil's Rejects. And the problems with this is, you know, Devil's Rejects has this great dichotomy between these monsters that we somehow like and this good man who's trying really hard to still be good. But he's sucked into this horrific, you know, experience here. And Three from Hell just doesn't have the good man. Oh, it's okay. only the monsters. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately they lost the most compelling monster. Because Sid Haig is in it for like three minutes.
2: Oh, yeah. Do you, yeah. Okay. do you
3: know do you know why that is? He was, Yeah. It was, it, he was really sick and that was like all that
1: And Rob Zombie do. didn't know. You know, and honestly I mean, it it sucks because I know that it's all Sid Haig could give, but it's the kind of thing where it makes me feel like maybe they shouldn't have made the movie.
0: Ah Like
1: Sid Haig's absence is so felt and his his being written off is so like Anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah. And it it's just because he you know i i love um uh shit um who plays otis uh oh um fuck bill mosley i <laughs> love bill i, love I know bill i was Moseley. like
0: i know who this yeah. is yeah it's over my tongue
1: <laughs> and bill mosley has this great delivery style and charisma that makes this monster otis oddly likable and but but the the heart, bizarrely, of Devil's Rejects is Sid Haig. And mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it's it's a frustrating dislike. This movie, like Sh- Sherry Moon, actually seems like she's acting for a change <laughs> yeah. instead of just doing what Rob Zombie told her to do. You know, she feels like I like she's actually understanding a character that she has developed and created uh but the the addition of richard Brake, who i assume they just gave all of sid Haig's shit to i believe that's kind of yeah. what happened yeah like he's not interesting he doesn't have much of a backstory at all and then so like like Devil's Rejects, these this crew goes to a location. They spend some time there. They terrorize the people. They go to a bigger location. There's a big conflict, and unlike you know Devil's Rejects, which gives them a comeuppance, this one doesn't. It's like you know, like Rob Zombie drank too much of his own Kool Aid because. <laughs> You know, he knows these are bad people. He knows that. He gave us that in Devil's Rejects. We're not supposed to love them, and we're supposed to want them to get away, but at the same time understand that they can't. They have to be gunned down at the end, you know? Yeah. And it just... Like, to talk about the toxic male antihero that's what devil's rejects is but it understands that they are also monsters and i don't i don't know how to deal with a movie that doesn't process them also as monsters yeah
3: yeah uh i mean i I, I'm not. I'm not really a fan of of the Rob Zombie's movies. I hate to say.
1: Um, I, oh, Devil's Rejects is the only Rob Zombie movie <laughs> I'm a fan of. See, I I hear
3: Lords of Salem is good, but like I have, it's it's, it's fine. okay.
1: It's fine. It's yeah.
2: Fine.
3: Like I just he his stuff just does not. It, it does not gel with me, and I I don't I don't know what it is. I think my, some of it might be the aesthetics of it. I, but I just yeah. So I mean I've I've seen The Devil's Rejects, and it was. It was okay. I, I actually
0: haven't seen it. Don't revoke my horror card. Oh, <laughs> oh,
1: I mean it's it's also a brutal upsetting movie.
0: I'm like, that's not even I don't even like I don't mind that. I just I just like I guess I've just seen some of Rob's um I just I think we'll actually see Lords of Salem and I was like, eh. It's just not for me. Like the it... aesthetic and the vibe, I just I don't think I don't think I'm the target audience which is fine I mean that's Mm -hmm. totally fine I just I'm not the target audience for whatever he's trying to do it's not me
3: that was one of the reasons why like I I, there was I had I had this moment where I could have gotten a screener and if I probably pursued it I probably could have gotten it but like Mm. at the end of the day I was like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to add much to the discourse surrounding it because it just I I haven't liked a single thing of his that I've seen and I I hate saying that because, like, I don't want to write off an entire director. And I, I I, grew up listening to his music. I just, there's something about about his movies that just does not gel with me. It just doesn't make me, it bores me a lot of times, sure. to be honest. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sad to hear, it, and it's not just from you. I've heard from a number of people yeah. uh, that Three from Hell felt like an inferior remake in some ways of uh, The Devil's Rejects. Yeah. And that's disappointing because um, I know a lot of people were really looking forward to to this movie, and there's a lot of there's a lot of fans of, of the Devil's Rejects. I know that in the horror realm, I'm, I'm in the minority for not liking it,
0: so it, it's it's a shame. Um, so we've talked about what we've watched recently. Now let's talk about what you've brought with you today, Cooper. What film have you brought with you today?
1: Well killer clowns from outer space <laughs> and, and...
3: <laughs> i am so curious to hear what you have to say about this movie <laughs> me
2: too um,
3: but but before we do that let me let me get everyone up to speed and kind of do this little synopsis that that we have for it um, in case you haven't seen it um cuz i i don't i think unlike some of the movies we've covered this one some people might not have seen it's,
1: it's a bit more of a dark horse I think. yeah it
3: is um but basically the story is that all the teens at the top of the world make out spot all they want to do is well make out <laughs> but when an object crashes into the forest nearby they soon realize that they are being invaded by killer clowns with a k from outer space mike tobacco which that name uh <laughs> played by grant kramer and debbie stone by suzanne snyder are forced to dodge sentient popcorn cotton candy cocoons killer balloon attack dogs, and more as they try to convince the local police, Deputy Dave Hansen, played by John Allen Nelson, and Deputy Curtis Curtis Mooney, by John Vernon of the Dean fame, that these clowns are really, really, really real and totally not fake. Eventually, Debbie gets wrapped up in a balloon and taken back to the big top alien spaceship, but video game logic prevails as our heroes realize that giant red noses on the clowns are the weak spot. <laughs> Mike and Dave race to save Davey, Dave, uh, Debbie, my gosh, and with the help of the perennially horny Terenzi brothers, fight sexy clowns, booby traps, and a giant clown Zilla before blowing the alien vessel sky high. As our heroes watch the ensuing fireworks, they're treated to one last insult as pies rain from the sky, splattering in their face. But it's all over, and our three reluctant heroes retreat back to Debbie's house, where they presumably fuck. And that last point, before we get to what you thought of this movie, I, I have to just say that I add that on there, because let me tell you, these three characters are all over each other. Oh, yeah. The, the men are all over each other the women are all over both of them <laughs> at the very end it's almost as if like deputy dave is is kissing debbie i'm like these these three people are going back to fuck
1: there is a weird skeevy sort of uh swingery vibe going on there <laughs> that i don't know was intentional I don't either, but my gosh, they
0: couldn't keep their hands off, off each other. They like really couldn't. I didn't even think about that, but they re- it really was just like a very physical, like, everyone's just falling under their yes, arms and touching each other. We're <laughs> hugging on each
3: other. We're, like, pressing our bodies against each other. We're sticking our face in her neck and, like, just sort of, like, nibbling on her. I, I'm like, what yeah. the hell is going on with these three? <laughs> so odd. Um, so, but... So that's why I had to add that in at the yeah. end, but and because obviously they don't go fuck in the movie. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But <laughs> well, that, not, not that in was the movie.
1: Not in the right. in the <laughs> section. Not the filmed. Film. No. <laughs> but I gotta it's ask, Subtext is what it is. It's yes, so,
3: there is so much subtext there. So, how old were you when you saw this, and what about it scared you?
1: Okay, I think I I think I was eight. Okay, when I saw this. That
3: seems to be a impressionable age for a lot of people. So far, we've had people that have seen movies when they're eight and four. <laughs> oh, four! Jeez. Yes. Yes, I have seen. Well, that.
1: I feel like I feel like eight is when you think you're old enough to handle things, but your parents still tell you you're not.
3: Yep. Maybe. Yeah. That's that's probably very true.
0: That is and a good like, way put it,
1: yeah. when I was eight, I was still in that phase where I really wanted. To experience horror, but mm-hmm. I was severely traumatized by it. Oh. Like I, I vividly remember watching Temple of Doom. Oh yeah, and just being incredibly traumatized by the heart coming out. Who wasn't? I, I know, but <laughs> but like it was funny because my parents were so restrictive. Like I wasn't allowed to watch Ghostbusters. Oh wow! Because they thought it might be scary. Temple of Doom. Well, that's the thing, because we watched <laughs> Raiders as a family, uh, yes. and then we watched Temple of Doom, and it was one of those occasions where I don't believe my parents had seen it since it came out in the theater.
0: Mm. So is Killer Clowns another example of a family movie that, ter- that well, went horribly wrong?
1: I Killer Clowns <laughs> is so interesting, and I think it's because I was really into Attack of the Killer Tomatoes.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, re- actually, uh, let me correct that. I was really into Return of the Killer Tomatoes,
0: okay.
1: which is the better film. Let's be clear.
3: <laughs> I have not seen either of them.
0: Neither but... have oh, my I. God. Let I've me... always wanted to just because the I've concept the is phenomenal. Fuck,
1: let me pitch you Return of the Killer Tomatoes. George Clooney is in Wait, it. Just George Clooney, it?
0: is that the pitch? Yeah, George
1: Clooney is in it. It's one of his first roles. Okay. John Aston is in it gomez himself oh and like it's one of those movies where midway through the movie it runs out of money and realizes it's a movie and they start trying to raise money to finish making the movie so george clooney is hawking products on the set oh my god it's it's like it is it is balls out silly but it actually lands its jokes Okay. So I I highly recommend Return of the love Killer the Tomatoes. Well, it, it's that kind of humor. Yeah. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. And I was in a, a drawing class, and I probably was drawing Killer Tomatoes, whatever. <laughs> and my teacher said, "You know what you might like is Killer Clowns from Outer Space." Oh dear God! And so I came home, and I said, "My teacher
0: <laughs> said oh. I should watch this movie." <laughs> oh no. And
1: I grew up terrified of clowns. Like my aunt had a one of those sad clown pictures. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yep. I would make her take it down <laughs> if I was coming over.
3: That's hilarious. Because it
1: really freaked me out. And so I don't know what my parents were thinking when they okayed this because they knew about my history with clowns i mean for fuck's sake 88 uh, beetlejuice just scared the shit out of me yeah um and and so we rent this and not only me but my my brother who was three years younger than me watched this with me
0: how did that go over for him
1: well, i i I really feel like at five he just saw the goofy, cartoony clowns.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. and did like did I don't think feel like about he, the horror. I don't think
1: the subtext really okay. got.
0: So, what scared you the most about this, besides being terrified of clowns? Like, what? I mean, obviously, this clown it's, part. <laughs> it's
1: such a weird movie because it is very cartoony and over the top. Yeah, but then there are things in it that are like upsetting
2: yeah like
1: the um when when uh pooh bear the dog gets taken mm-hmm. i remember feeling really bad for the guy oh yeah you know like like the, the clowns just took his dog yeah and um so the cotton candy things not only are they cocoons but they're also kind of acid and they're eating away the flesh of the people within
0: Weren't they sucking like when, at one point they're drinking out of them like like. Yeah, so I I feel
1: like I feel like the implication is that is liquefying people. Oh,
0: it's and like, then it's the like, clown spiders. Like spiders right? yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking spiders. But without question, the thing that terrified me was um, Mooney's death the the uh ventriloquist dummy oh the ventriloquist
3: dummy ah uh, yes and that was it, that that was kind of kind of gruesome when there's like a little plop at the end and yeah his hands covered in blood and he well, shakes
0: and, off the blood on the floor not yeah. only that
1: but like in the you can really tell on uh, on the hd version but the the little dots on his cheeks are blood smudges uh, that's and right. the ventriloquist mouth thing is actually him bleeding out of his mouth.
3: Right, I noticed that. Uh, this
1: and last so, I was watching. you know, like I watched it again yesterday, and I love the movie now. I find it, I find it to be just a joyful experience. But <laughs> that moment when the clown leans him forward, and it's the close up on his face, and he says, uh, no
2: "Don't worry, Dave."
1: All we want to do is kill you. I, it, it is so upsetting to me.
3: Well, I, I can, I can see where that, how that would be because, like, I, I, the, for the rest of the movie, like they just kind of talk in gibberish. Yeah. And it's this one moment, and it's the, and you, you hear their intention, and it's, it's through the dean from
2: Animal <laughs> from, House. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> and he's so great. In the entire movie, up to that point,
0: asshole. Yeah. He's just so
1: crotchety <laughs> He's like and old angry. Man. Yeah.
0: Um. So, what did you like? Did it make you more afraid of clowns? As you were like, I think you, after it was therapeutic. It? Actually. Oh, really? Oh, really? Interesting.
1: I think I think it took away my fear of clowns because shortly thereafter, you know, we're talking two years now, but I was reading it. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. And there's no way I could have handled it if I was still afraid of clowns at that point. So I feel like uh, I had this moment of horror, and I definitely had nightmares for a while, and my parents never again made the mistake of just renting uh, a movie on someone else's recommendation.
3: <laughs> Not even your
2: teachers? No. Well, clearly,
1: <laughs> they they cannot be trusted. <laughs> But it it was defi- It was definitely an impactful thing. That that was a surprisingly scary thing. You know? that's
0: so funny because like this. So this is the first time I'd ever watched this movie. I had heard of it, obviously, so many times, but I was just like, eh, I, I probably <laughs> could miss it. It was one of those movies where I was like, sure. I don't
1: know. Late eighties comedy horror. I mean, that could really go either way.
0: Yeah, and but I'm glad I I watched it. I think. If anything, it's a really awesome testament to practical effects and the oh, God, power yeah. of practical yeah. effects. Um, I didn't realize that all of the clowns were these horrendous puppet things. Yeah. And it definitely made it, I wouldn't say scary, but like creepy and gr- a, lot more, a lot more gross than I was expecting. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know they were going to have those nasty teeth and like the really weird scrunched up faces. And <laughs> it definitely is disgusting (laughs) like the best word to Mm -hmm. use to describe it is disgusting and like i i i think um
3: the the effects are obviously i think the best part of the movie and it's it's because of the the chiodo brothers oh yeah the chiodos are awesome because like they they created the critters design um they've like they've they've gone on and done um a whole lot of different type of, of creature design and they they did like uh team america they helped with the puppetry for that um so like and i i think that that is probably the the best uh the best part of the movie it, although there are a couple scenes that that even still um i think are really well done like i loved the slow reveal of what the popcorn is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like in the very beginning of the movie, it's just, they're shooting popcorn at him and it's like, okay, this is kind of silly. <laughs> but then as the movie progresses, you start to slowly see that, you know, they're, they're sentient. There's the really cool scene of them kind of crawling along the bathroom floor mm-hmm. in Debbie's place. And then like, there's the, where the, the guy, like the, one of the clowns, like shrinks all the people and tosses them in his bag full of, of <laughs> cotton or of, of, of corn popcorn. And then, there's the reveal that they're turning into these like mutant snake type things that are attacking. Is it the larval
1: phase? We don't know.
3: Right. It's just, (laughs) but it's such a, an interesting and kind of a slow reveal throughout the entire movie that this happens. And I, I just think that that, I really noticed that this time watching it, that that was really well done. Hmm. Um, but okay. So are you, so you were afraid of clowns. Are, Are you, is that something that
1: you have gotten over? I think clowns are upsetting. Mm-hmm.
0: They are. They are viscerally upsetting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I th- I think what it is is uh, the reason clowns are scary is because even if they're angry, they look happy. Yeah. And the reason I I I've done some some you know research into the history of clowns. Mm -hmm. And the reason for the makeup being like that is so people in the back row at the circus can still see a big smile. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's why the exaggeration. So, because you, I mean, it, it it goes back to the commedia dell'arte masks, you know the the giant frowns, the giant smiles, yeah, uh, and it it's basically just to show an emotion to the audience that's far away, and with clowns, it it took on that uh, that tramp aspect. Then, yeah, you know and that that's from the really the twenties and and the um, the Great Depression. And clowns being scary, you know, clowns were scary because you didn't understand them. But clowns as a scary thing is very recent. You know, like 70s, 80s were the beginning of clowns as a as a frightening thing.
3: I I think it's interesting, too, that there's like um, almost sort of like Pennywise, there's like a a cyclical nature to to uh, this clown. Yeah like it, i i remember in the 80s there was like um it, and it kind of i think grew out of maybe the the idea of satanic panic as well um but well, like, and
1: john wayne gacy and then john
3: wayne yeah. gacy of course who is for those that that aren't aware was entertaining as part at parties as pogo the clown while over 26 people were buried in his crawl space in his yard yep and um that was in the in the midwest and it 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 absolutely. Terrified. Outside Chicago, in fact, I—I right.
1: I actually, uh, w- my my partner, uh, El and I just drove by the the house that is built on the the foundation that was Gacy's. Right.
0: Um, Good God! So, what a house to live in. Right. <laughs> I mean, at least
1: it's no longer Gacy's house. I just you know, like I wouldn't
0: be able to shake the creepiness and like <laughs> whatever va- vibes were viewed no, upon the like land. <laughs> yeah, they Dave, they Dave, moved Dave, moved
1: Dave, the headstones. Dave. They didn't move the bodies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: Call back to poltergeist,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> which also
1: traumatized me as a as a kid. Uh, me and has a scary clown. Yep. Fuck.
3: And and that's and that's that's kind of the thing that like yeah, I realized was out when I was watching this, because I I we wa- I watched this movie again for this podcast, but I watched it right after seeing this documentary. And I don't think the documentary is very good. Um, I have <laughs> issues with it. Um, but it's called Wrinkles the Clown. Have you have you guys heard of Wrinkles? No. I've heard of it,
0: and I've seen a I've lot heard of about it, yeah. it, but I haven't watched it yet. I didn't
1: know it was a documentary. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah, so it's a
3: documentary about this clown. And it basically started back in, like, 2014. There was this YouTube... Um, channel and it was called Have You Seen Wrinkles? And the very first, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but the very first uh, video is this: this girl sleeping in this one of those beds that has like um, one of those drawers underneath it where you can like store oh, things. Oh, trundle bed. Yeah, and it's it's like a closed circuit television. It looks like of watching this 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 girl, and then the, the drawer opens up, and there's a clown, huh. and he gets out he lays like a stuffed animal next to the girl and then walks up to the camera and it, and it cuts to black. And then it's
0: horrifying. I will say the get the gif has been making its rounds on Twitter and I, (laughs) I hate it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And so that started it. And then all of a sudden there were stickers showing up all over Florida with wrinkles, the clown. And it, and it gave a number to call Huh. and, People would call the number, and you would get this voicemail because he rarely ever picked up. And he, he started getting like called so many, like thousands of calls a day. I think at one point, um, but it was this this voicemail, and he'd be like, "Yeah, this is wrinkles, ho ho ho," and he had this like this this kind of ho ho ho, this kind of like almost kind of you know that kind of yeah. voice with it, and it, it it kind of took on a life of its own, um, where parents started disciplining their children by calling the number and threatening to sick wrinkles on them. Oh dear God. And so it's, and then, you know, this kind of fed into this, this worldwide in 2016, like clown panic where people started seeing clowns, creepy clowns everywhere. I mean, there's a Wikipedia page that lists all of the different places from Croatia to Wisconsin that all these creepy clowns were, were talked about or seen. It's made national news. Mm. And it just, it, it got me thinking with this movie because like in the eighties, this was, there was always, there was like a a decade that was gripped by it as well with back in like 1981, there was, there were children saying that men were dressed up as clowns, attempting to lure them into vans. And like, there's all, it, it always seems to be centered around kids that, that perpetuate this. And that's kind of part of what the documentary is about these, these kids that that kind of like on it, it's become kind of almost like a, an urban legend or like a, a creepy pasta where there's YouTube videos of the kids calling the number and then freaking out and they post hmm. it up there. Like it's, it's, it's taken on this life of its own. And it just, I, I think it's so fascinating how much clowns still today are, are kind of terrifying.
1: I think one of the things for, for my generation specifically, and I was born in 79 uh, is You know, we're from the age of the low-rent Bozo shows. You know, and Bozo um, actually originated in Chicago. So I got the original, the real Bozo. Oh, yeah. Well, not the original Bozo, but I got the official Bozo.
2: Yeah. Right, right, right.
1: Uh, And... Because it was sort of
3: like... The kind of the horror host, yeah, right, like they, they would
1: syndicate of... the character out mm-hmm. to other markets, right. and so when I was on vacation, I'd watch this weird local bozo, and the set was much smaller, and the costumes were a little dingier and there's something about local television, you know, you mentioned creepsy pasta uh the the uh oh fuck uh, channel zero. The yeah. first season of Channel Zero with uh Candle Cove yes. really mines this local television horror. Yeah. Because it does. there is something exceptionally scary about uh the artificial reality of local television. You know, the the painted background that's supposed to be the sky. The, you know, there's and it's, it's almost a nebulous thing that you can't quite put your finger on. It's sort of like
3: the Uncanny Valley, right? It like, is, yeah. You know, it, it's not like this this giant cartoony thing. It's something that looks like a, fix, a facsimile of a, of a person or, or yeah. a, a background, but there's like something off about it.
1: And so you add clowns to that because it's the same thing, the same kind of scary. And if you're watching this as a child, like a, a young impressionable child... It's really easy for this for the 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 enjoyment of it to flip over to horror, you know. And if you look at it, like Stephen King uh, released It in September of eighty six, mm-hmm. and uh, honestly, I think I think Steve, you know the clown community hates Stephen King because <laughs> he has single handedly ruined their business multiple times over the years as it gets recaptured into the zeitgeist
3: yeah yeah
1: and it sort of reminds people that clowns are scary and you know the the current trend of scary clowns definitely owes itself to the release of the first it movie Mm -hmm. but even beyond that you see you know like the one of the most effective um gags uh, of clown gags in recent memory is the uh Hell House LLC clown gag uh where it's it's a clown um mannequin that that keeps being scary you know and it's it's really funny because
0: Have you seen Hell House LLC in I haven't no yeah the
1: the first one is really enjoyable I've heard like really good things
0: is. about yeah. it I think they're on it's, shutter right
3: yeah all yeah. three of them are on shutter and yeah. The uh, first one's really good. I, I just
1: watched <laughs> the last one, and it's better than the second one. I mean, that's but really it's still not, not good. Difficult. No, <laughs> it's
3: not. But the, the, they they had this like mannequin. That the, the idea is they're building this like haunted house, and they have a mannequin of this clown. And throughout the it's found footage, and throughout mm-hmm. the the movie, the clown just appears places. No, thank yeah. you. No, thank
0: and you. Thank and you.
3: It's, it's very frightening. To, like, it really is it's it's really creepy it's it's the head will sometimes like the camera will pan, and of course when it comes back the clown's looking at, at yeah. a different person or there's just all these little tiny random things uh that that happen with it and it's 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 probably the most effective part of the movie
1: yeah and it's it's really funny to me because like i've I've grown through my my real terror of them and mm-hmm. um I was trying to show uh puddle's pity party. To uh, my partner and girlfriend, and they couldn't watch it. Um, Puddles is the sad clown with the golden voice, and if you have not heard him sing Royals, you owe it to yourself. And if you have a problem with clowns, just listen to it because he's amazing. Okay, uh, but I, I'll I'll share a link for for that one. Cool, but it's it's um he's he's literally just a gigantic clown. Who sings songs?
3: Nope, no, 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 and... <laughs> no, 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 no. So, Marybeth, are you are you scared of clowns? I don't remember if we if I if we talked about this. It, it,
1: it sounds like she might I just... be. Uh...
0: <laughs> I can watch clown movies, but like something about clowns just sends a shiver down my spine. I think, like you mm. said, it's the uncanny valley of like they are people but with exaggerated like feet. And faces and smiles and just something about them, like, gets my defense mechanisms, like, ready to go, like, fight or flight. Like, for some reason, I'm ready, like, for a clown. If, like, I'm at an event and there's just a clown being a nice clown, I'm like, he's going to hit me and I'm going to hit him right yeah. back. I don't know why.
1: Well, <laughs> it's it's the same thing as someone wearing a mask. Because a, yeah. a, a clown face is a mask, you know, whether it's, whether it's a legit mask or, or just paint. So, you see the people they're they're behind a mask, and you don't, and you don't know, know what know they're really intent. thinking, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, so I think it's just that, and I think just it, that combined with the scary things I've seen throughout my life with like what clowns are capable of, I think mm-hmm. it just has made me very wary of that. I had a friend whose dad went to clown school, and he told me that, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> I'm like, he was such a nice person, and I never saw him in clown makeup. But when well, he and- said I went to clown school, I was like, Are you fucking serious? Like, I can never talk to you again, my dude. Like,
3: we're done. He
0: was like, She looked on my soccer team with my best friends in high school. And I was like, Friendship over. We're done. Yep. I cannot ever talk to you or your father ever again. Unsubscribe.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I think that might be
3: a good, a good place to end on, too. God, I um... fucking
0: hate clowns. <laughs>
1: but seriously, listen to Puddles. he's amazing we
2: will include that in our show notes as well
0: then (laughs) fine
1: i mean you don't have to look you don't even have to know he's a clown (laughs)
0: you don't have to look at him he seriously has he
1: he has one of the most amazing voices i've ever heard and the, the the thing he does is like the the he rose to fame on america's got talent and so he walks out a clown that doesn't talk and has you know and everyone's just like well what the fuck is this you know uh, someone's actually on america's got talent as a clown and then he starts singing and it's amazing so huh. yeah i'm wow. i i am not overselling puddles he is legitimately one of the best singers i've ever heard
0: how do you pick your clown name anyway <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I i feel like from from talking to people who are clowns and I actually know a few people who are clowns it's it's a very uh it's almost like a confirmation you know like a, the the religious rite. it's it's very invested in it's not like i'm I'm going to be this clown this day and this clown this day you are this clown
0: like so can you become the pope
1: yeah yeah pretty much yeah there's smoke involved
0: <laughs> anyway we can wrap up now. I just like that came into my head. I'm like, how'd you pick the name Puddles? <laughs> it's like, what you name a puppy? Um,
1: oh, well, you don't want to name a puppy Puddles because that's just asking yeah,
0: for it. True. Um. All right. Are we ready? To... <laughs> Should we wrap up now?
1: <laughs> I am a bad influence on keeping keeping things on tap. Uh, t- uh, target. There's a reason my podcasts are at least ninety minutes all right um
3: <laughs> uh the tangents we go on it's it's <laughs> fun
0: i have nightmares about fucking clowns i had nightmares about spiders when we talked about arachnophobia <sighs> so now i'm gonna dream about goddamn clowns anyway
2: <laughs> all right
3: well uh thank, thank you cooper for joining us to talk about killer clowns from outer space my uh, pleasure where where can our listeners find you and do you have anything you want
1: to plug well, yeah, the uh, The easiest way to find me is Cooper S. Beckett. Uh, coopersbeckett.com is my website, and Cooper S. Beckett is my handle on most social media. Uh, I would love it if you'd check out my new horror series, Spectral Inspector. You can find that at Cooper S. Beckett or at spectralinspector.com. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, I have other stuff, too, but I'm really, I'm really uh, working in the horror genre these days.
0: Cool. Awesome. So um you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you, listeners. What is your experience with killer clowns from outer space? Send us an email at ScarredForLife Podcast at gmail.com and we might feature you in an upcoming episode. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews.
3: And I'm at Gaily Dreadful.
0: And of course, tag us, tag us at ScarredPodcast Podcast if you want to talk on Twitter.
3: And don't forget to rate, review,
0: and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our killer um, intro music. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and stay creepy. Bye.